Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way, and we should celebrate that. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello, hello. Happy New Year. It's 2020 and we are back with the Extraordinary Moms podcast and we are renumbering, going back to how we were numbering before we transitioned to Everyday Extraordinary podcast and then we did it back. Remember that whole debacle last year? Well, today is episode 286 of the podcast and boy, do I have a fantastic first episode of the new year for you. My guest today is Liz Marie Galvin. She's best known online for her decor and interior design tips as she lives in a fixer-upper farmhouse in Michigan. She and I have the best conversation, not only about interior design, but her experience as a military spouse and also how they came to grow their family. They faced a lot of challenges in this area and it makes the birth of her son even more of a miracle than anything in their lives. And it was so fun getting to chat with her. And I know so many of you out there are such fans of Liz's work and you're gonna love getting to hear her story, her story of motherhood. And also we chat about how you make your home cozier. She just released a new book called Cozy White Cottage, and I cannot wait to share that with you as well. So let's get to my conversation with Liz Marie Galvin. All right. I feel so honored to be chatting with Liz Marie Galvin today. Hi, Liz. Hi. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Very good. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. We were just catching up, letting you know, because you're in Michigan right now, that I lived in Ann Arbor for a few years, and... I just never dreamed Michigan could be that beautiful. I grew up in California and I just, I don't know, I had a different vision of Michigan. And when we went there, my husband went to law school there. Our first visit, like his eyes welled up with tears. He's like, this is the place. This is amazing. (laughs) Are you from Michigan? I love that. It is really beautiful. Yes, yes. I'm from Michigan. Um, I lived in North Carolina for 10 years when my husband was in the Marine Corps, Mm -hmm. but we moved back about three years ago, and we're really excited to be back. Awesome. Yeah, and another thing we have in common is that my husband was in the Navy for several years, so we've shared a lot of life experiences, Liz. Yes, we have, for sure. That's awesome. Well, I am so excited. I have your book, Cozy White Cottage, in my hands right now. It is so beautiful. We just purchased our first home um, last December, and so we're still in the cozying up phase and trying to figure out what my style is and what we want it to look like. But hospitality is my number one goal all the time. So um, I am so excited to chat with you about that and then also about your motherhood. So will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I got married when I was 19. Um, my husband was already in the Marine Corps. So I moved from Michigan to North Carolina away from everything I knew, friends, family. Um, he deployed right away. 
So um, deployments were a big part of our marriage right away. And being so young, um, I had to grow up pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, we started to try to grow our family when I was when we were about 24. So it was about five years into our marriage. Um, we started to try to grow our family. Um, it didn't go as we thought it would. Um, we finally became pregnant a year into trying to grow our family. And we lost our baby um, shortly after um, we got pregnant. We started on this whole journey of infertility and miscarriage that um, we never thought that we would be on. Um, And we went on to lose um, nine babies. And um, we, this past year, we started um, the adoption journey. And um, we now have a son, Copeland Bo. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been a long journey as far as like coming to parenthood. And somewhere in there, um, in our infertility journey and all that, um, I actually went to design school and I started my blog about 10 years ago. And ever since then, I've been blogging. And since then, it's become a full-time job for um, me and my husband. And now we have um, an assistant, um, Mackenzie. So um, we've, yeah, it's it's just a full journey in there. <laughs> oh, I love that so, so much. And it's so neat to see where it has gotten to. Because so many times we start out thinking it's going to look one way and whether it's life or kids or jobs or blogs or whatever it is, it starts with a little idea and then it just kind of snowballs into something, maybe something similar to what we thought or maybe something completely different. But I don't know about you, but I think we always end up exactly where we're supposed to be. Definitely. When I look at Cope's face now, it's just I, I ask why I ever worried um, oh. we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And it's such a good feeling um, after such a dark journey to be on the other side of it. So I know it's easy to talk about it now, but um, just looking at his face, I mean, it was always him. So really yeah. thankful for that journey. Yeah, absolutely. I've talked to a lot of women lately, actually, on the topic of miscarriage. And I have not experienced miscarriage myself, but I feel like the more we do ask those questions and listen to people that have had different life experiences than us. We can have so much more compassion and understanding even when it hasn't been our own experience. I think that's a really important part of being human and being a friend. And so I just really value these types of conversations, Liz, and I'm grateful for your vulnerability in in showing up in this way. And I mean, nobody sets out thinking it's going to be difficult to get pregnant. Most people don't, right? Like, you think, okay, this is the timeline. This is boy, girl, girl, boy, girl. Like you even, you just get so fixated on the details and the control you think you have. When you started out down this journey of infertility and you experienced that first loss, how did it change your perspective? And did you look too far into the future of like, oh no, this is going to be a huge uphill battle for a long time? Or did you think this was a one-off? How was it for you? So after our first miscarriage, that was just the most devastating thing because you just never think that that can happen to you. Um, And after the first one, um, I still had a lot of hope. I was like, okay, the next one, we got this, you know? Um, and then after the second one, it was just like, Oh no, is something wrong? And then we went to go on and miscarry the third. And the third was the hardest because it was like, this is my life now. Like Mm. we have to figure something out. Something's wrong. Um, and so after that, it, it was a little harder. 
I never let it consume me fully. Um, I was really good. And whether that was a coping mechanism or, um, something else, I was really good at diving into something, um, And I always say, like, after every single miscarriage, something big happened. Hmm. Um, Whether I made that come to fruition or not, um, I – something big happened, whether we opened a store or we got a new house or it was always something to, like, focus on. So Hmm. it was really interesting. um, But I did – view it as a new life challenge and a new, um, uphill battle, like you said. Um, but I never let it fully consume me, um, which I think really helped me get through those times, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And was your husband deployed any of this time during this experience? Actually, thankfully, no. Mm, Um, when he got back from his second deployment, um, is when we, actually started to try to grow our family and he got into a teaching position, um, which he didn't deploy in. So that was really awesome because we really turned to each other in those times. I know that, um, infertility and miscarriage is a huge challenge, obviously in a marriage, it can be really tough on a marriage. Um, not saying that we didn't have hard days or challenging days. Um, but it definitely made our marriage stronger and I'm very thankful for that. Um, it it brought us closer Um, obviously you have conversations that you never would have had and, um, you, you just go through a lot and you can either turn to each other or turn away. Um, so I, in my blog and, um, in my daily life, I try to show how to turn to each other Mm. in those times instead of turning away. Yeah. That's fortunate. You had each other to rely upon because that can be a really isolating experience, even just if you only have that one other person that really gets what you're going through, you know? So I'm glad that thank goodness he, he wasn't gone, but it seems like you're a real doer, Liz. Like it seems like you can put effort into things and you just kind of make it happen. And I've had similar things where it's like, okay, I want to achieve this goal. What do I need to do to get there? And then the outcome comes in some form of acceptable, right? And so how did it change your perspective on viewing the future and relying on your body to do what you hoped it would do for you? These are just sentiments and questions that all women have in in their different circumstances in their life. So how did it affect you? And what would you tell to other women that are feeling robbed by, I don't know, just things not turning out the way they thought they would, no matter what they are doing to make something happen? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I went through a period of time there where I was really angry with my body and just wondering like what was wrong with me um, and really just kind of like a lot of like self hatred. Um, and I felt very like less than, um, I don't know what it was, if it was a turning point or what, but I always look at, and this is kind of like hard to voice, but I always think of, we all have different challenges. Um, our bodies, we just have different challenges with our bodies, whether or not, um, we have an illness or something like that. And I actually have PCOS and I, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. I'm not, I'm sure you talk about that often on here. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's something that, um, I was like, this is just what I am dealing with. And this is my challenge. We all have a different challenge and it made me view myself differently. It's, it's not my fault that I have PCOS. 
um, and it's not my fault that things are going wrong. This is just my life challenge, and we all have them, and how can I work around this? And um, my workaround was kind of just deciding that um, I didn't want to go. We never did IVF or any um, super invasive infertility treatments, um, not just because we didn't believe in them, because I... Um, we did look into them. It was just something that we didn't feel called to do. Mm-hmm. And making that decision of what I wanted my body to do was gave me a lot of peace. And when I stopped being so hard on myself and um, just thinking of what my body can't do, um, it, I had this huge wave of peace and a huge burden lifted off of me. Um, and I know we all have different journeys. So a lot of people might not be at peace deciding that they didn't want to carry a child. Um, you know, we all have different journeys and different Mm -hmm. things that we want to do. But that's what gave me peace is deciding um, to let go of that. And it's been wonderful ever since. And I've um, been really happy and better on my body. And um, that peace is something that's really wonderful. Right. And our challenges really are opportunities, aren't they? I mean, you may not have wanted to choose this particular challenge, but would you choose another person's challenge? Like most of the time, if you're given that option to be like, well, I could never do that, or I could never be a military wife. I hear that all the time, right? But it's like, you can do anything. You can get through anything and you can be better having lived through any challenge. It doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. It doesn't mean there's not grief and it doesn't mean there's not residual trauma even, right? But you are a much different mother today because of what you've done. You're a much different wife, person, writer, everything because of your life experiences. And that's what this life is for is to, to really live and to not shy away from challenges just because there's that really ugly side of the challenge, right? Yeah. And letting it shape you and not resisting it, I think is huge. And like you said, looking at that challenge as an opportunity, Mm. I have such a heart for adoption now that I never thought that I would have. It's so funny when we thought that we were in charge of our lives, um, we always said we were going to adopt our third baby (laughs) and, you know, we were going to have two biological children and then go and adopt our third baby. And it's so funny when you think that you're in charge. Um, and now I'm so thankful for that journey as well, because in the middle of the night when Cope is up crying, I look at it as an opportunity. I I get to be a mother at 2 a.m., with my child. Like, I don't think I would have ever looked at motherhood like this. And I, I, it definitely changed me in every aspect of my life. I have so much more joy, um, because I've seen the depths of depression, um, that everything is more joyful. Everything is brighter. Um, not to say that I still don't have challenges, but I am thankful for that journey because of the mother that it made me today. Oh, that is so powerful. And I think it's going to give so many, women hope if they're in that middle season right now. I was reading some of your blogs and there was one where you were giving an update on your fertility journey and you talked about being kind of in this holding space. After a few years of just devastation, you just kind of wanted to do nothing related to growing your family or anything and you just couldn't take that next step. And you wrote, if we don't get pregnant, we don't have a miscarriage. If we don't pursue adoption, we don't have the disappointment of not being matched with a baby. And I just thought, golly, that is so profound because there's so many times where just the the risk of taking the next step out, even if it could yield possibly a positive outcome, 
the risk feels too great. And especially if you've been through what you've been through and you have so much hurt in the past surrounding it, it feels so much even more weighty taking one small step forward. And so you are just in this holding space. So I'm curious for you, how do you know, and not just in this period of time, but even just going forward and how you pursue your life now, how do you know when you're in a time in your life where it's just kind of a season of, of rest and maybe of healing and of taking some space? And then how do you know when you're not acting because of that fear or because of that trepidation of uncertainty? It's crazy to hear you read that blog post because I remember being in that position. Honestly, I think that miscarriages and even pregnancy in general um, or miscarriages and infertility, it puts you in this holding space where you really learn to listen to your body. And I know that might sound weird, but when you start listening to your body and really feeling what your body needs and what it wants, you just know. And I, I, I don't like when people say that because <laughs> I also didn't like when people used to say like, it, like they felt called or they felt it on their heart. Um, but that is a true feeling. And it's so funny when you are in this holding space and you really truly listen to your body and you know that feeling of peacefulness um, and you really ask yourself those hard questions like, what do I truly want? What would truly bring peace to me? I think you just know and, and you know when you need to take a break and you know when you feel that motivation again to either start, um, you know, uh, infertility treatments or fertility treatments um, or you want to start adoption. It's just this like innate feeling of peace. Um, that's how I describe it at least. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of what we got on each step of the way. And I don't know if that was just a gift yeah. um, or what, but um, even when we were starting the adoption journey, it was an overwhelming push to start the adoption journey. Um, and, and how that kind of started, um, just to throw that out there, when I say it was like a calling, um, I throw a market once a year here in Michigan, um, and thousands of people come, um, and it's, it's, it's a good time. <laughs> and at last year's market, for some reason, um, before we had cope, before we even talked about adoption, um, at that market, over 50 people came up to me within those couple hours of the market and either told me their adoption story, told me how they were adopted, or told me about something with adoption. At the end of the day, I was like a little annoyed. I'm like, <laughs> what, what's going on? And my husband and I, during this market, we both have separate jobs. And he and I came together at the end of the day and we both said it at the same time. He was like, it's so weird. People were talking to me about adoption today. And we both like looked up and we we're like, okay, like we'll pursue wow. this. We'll look into it. Okay. And we were a little annoyed. And we, <laughs> you know, a month later we went to this adoption class and I decided to blog it. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say that we started it. And that is how our birth mom actually found us wow. was through putting it out there when we weren't even sure. So it's like, it's almost like we just like listened. We were like, I don't, it, yeah. it, maybe I'm not getting those words out right today, but I hope that it makes sense to someone listening that just listening to yourself and following those little cues. It's, it's weird how it works out. Oh, it makes complete sense, Liz. And I, and I love that explanation. I think that is so 
profound because there are literally seasons where it's like we need this space we need to take a break we need to not yeah. put the pressure on ourselves anymore we need to do something else right and that is edifying and refining in and of itself that is a choice so so just reframing your thought of we are choosing to rest we are choosing this mode of our life right now and we will choose something different when we feel prompted to do so Right. And, and just trusting that you'll know, you'll know. And then now, you know, like Cope wasn't ready two years ago. Cope wasn't ready a year, you know, like it's just so beautiful how it all works out and just who even knows what's in the future for you guys. And it just, it just really is a, is a great, it's just great evidence of God's love for us and his provision over us. So, oh, that's just so great. Okay. Okay. So I, I do have some questions about design. Can we just, can we jump a little bit? Well, first of all, yeah. first of all, wait, let's talk about Cope real quick. Okay. So Cope is the cutest name, Copeland, right? Cutest yes. name. Of course you'd have <laughs> the cutest name. Where did his name come from? I don't know if you've shared that. And what is your most favorite thing about being a mom? Yeah. So another funny story, um, after the market, after we said, okay, fine, you know, we'll look into adoption. Um, it was our anniversary. It was our 11th um, anniversary. Um, we always go to Mackinac Island here in Michigan. If you haven't ever been, you need to go. It's beautiful. Um, it's our favorite place. So we were on Mackinac Island and it was the last day and we were actually sitting there going, okay, when we get home, um, we're going to look into adoption more. We're talking at our last lunch on our anniversary trip and our waiter's name was um, Copeland. Mm. And it's so funny that we always had two boy name picks out, picked out. We never had girl names for some reason. I just, first of all, weirdly enough, I couldn't picture myself being a girl mom. Maybe one day <laughs> will be and it will totally shock me. Um, but I always had two boy names picked out. And we both looked at each other at this lunch and we're like, oh, no, it's Copeland. You know, we've never heard that name before. We love it. Um, it's so cool. And a couple months later, a birth mom found us that was having a baby boy, and that was Copeland Bow. So oh it's gosh. just really weird. It's very weird how that worked out. But yeah, That's and then crazy. we were able to take him to Mackinac Island this year on our anniversary trip. Oh, come and we on. actually got to meet Copeland. Come on. So, yeah. <laughs> oh yep. my gosh. I'm sure you're so. familiar with Rachel Hollis. Do you know Rachel Hollis? Yes. yes. Yeah. So, like, her daughter that she adopted Noah similar story like she was they were about to give up on adoption they had struggled a lot a lot a lot and they were at a restaurant and a guy actually named Noah came up and just shared his adoption story and said like don't give up basically and that was like the turning point for her to keep going and so they named her Noah after him so restaurant so if, if you're pursuing yes. adoption just head out to a restaurant check out your waiter's name tag that's the message of the whole thing <laughs> yes yes for sure Sorry. that's funny so what is your favorite thing about being Copeland's mom so it's so hard to pick one I know <laughs> it is such an honor to be his mother every single day it's just I'm reminded but my favorite thing about him is his just like zest for life. He is <laughs> always smiling and I don't know if it's nature or nurture or what, <laughs> but he just smiles every single day and his love and curiosity, he's eight months right now. His love and curiosity of the world is just my favorite thing ever. And it's just such an honor to be able to walk him through life and to grow with him 
and to just show him all the things. So um, we live on a farm here in Michigan, um, and we have sheep and bees and dogs and cats, and his love for animals right now is just awesome. And um, I just, I I love just being his mother. I, it's such an honor. So, I I, yeah. Congratulations. That Thanks. is so amazing. Oh, beautiful. Thanks. Okay, so you are most well-known for your blog and now for your great book, Cozy White Cottage, and the tagline is 100 Ways to Love the Feeling of Being at Home. I love being at home. Yeah. Are you an introvert or an extrovert, would you say? Totally an introvert, okay, but same. I'm starting to know this like new realm of um, – like in extroverted, extroverted introvert. introvert that's me yeah <laughs> I think that's it's totally me and also I don't know if you have taken the Enneagram before yes um that's actually like the Enneagram test um that's really been helpful to me as well um knowing what number I was so it's it's really interesting um I'm a number four I don't know if anyone's taken it uh-huh. but um I'm a three yeah. uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> yeah so it's it's been really interesting taking that and then um, reading more up about because I, I love being around people but I love being home more than anything so yeah. it's interesting yeah it really is and I have found too I love having people over into my home more than I like going to other people's homes and I think it's just because I always like having the option of kind of tucking away if I need to like take a minute for myself or just having control over okay I'm gonna tidy up and you guys can keep chatting but I just but it's my own way of taking a break without saying like everybody step away from me, you know? And I, but I really do. I don't care if it's two people or 50 people. I love having people in my home. And I just think people don't invite like they used to. People don't just open up their home because they're too stressed about what they're going to serve or their house isn't clean enough or whatever. What's been your view on hospitality? Has it changed over the years? What's your, what does that look like for you? Definitely. Actually, um, hospitality is not a gift that I was given. Mm. And so I've really had to like work through that. Um, I've really had to, and I think, um, realizing and really asking myself like hard questions. I think that's kind of what I base my life off of. Um, you know, why am I not good at hosting? Why is that not my gift? And I think it was the fear of the judgment of our home um, and just like the fear of going into it. But then I asked myself, what do I love about someone else's home and like being invited there? And what it was is like the unapologeticness of the host mm. and them just like you're going into their house. They maybe have a mess, but them not apologizing for it makes you so comfortable around that person and just knowing that this is real life people live here um our house uh, we live in the 1800s farmhouse it is constantly under construction (laughs) and uh, the fear of it not being perfect was holding me back from hosting things at our house and um one of my dreams was to have a woman's bible study in our home and i was telling one of my friends that and i said oh but i have to wait um, you know, until the house is finished. And she looked right at me and she said, I think you're using that as a crutch wow. to not this Bible study. And right then and there, I felt so, cause like, you're right. It is because 
why I should apologize for a house looking like this and why I can't have people over. So um, from that day on, I've gotten really good at hosting because I don't apologize for anything and it makes me more comfortable and I know it makes my guests more comfortable as well. 100%. And if you don't go first, they're certainly not going to come back and be like, well, you know, I've seen Liz's house and it's comfortable and it is cozy and inviting, but and mine is good enough too. Right? But I'm sure your house is really cute, Liz. I mean, let's get real. I mean, tell me how your style developed. Where did this kind of uh, vantage point of style come from? How did you learn these things? I know you said you went to design school. Has this always been an interest of yours? Yes, for sure. I was the kid that wasn't watching cartoons. I was watching design shows there you go. <laughs> in HGTV. Um, I don't know if anyone listening uh, remembers Christopher Lowell. Oh, um, sure. He, yes, he was my hero growing up. He loved tassels, but um, I was just this young girl <laughs> watching Christopher Lowell um, every day. And then he got his line at Burlington Coat Factory, and my mom took me, and I remember sitting in the aisle just screaming at his line of bedding and tassels and curtains, <laughs> which now I would never put in my home. It's not my style. Sorry, Christopher, <laughs> but um, still love you. But um, I, it, it was just always a passion of mine to create an environment that I loved in a cozy environment. I never knew um, how to put that into words. It was just innate in me. And lately, um, you know, the past five years, asking myself these honest questions um, and people pointing that out, you know, um, I would share my spaces and people would put things like you're the queen of cozy or which is such an <laughs> honor and mm -hmm. I'll take it. And then I realized you're right. Like I'm creating these really cozy spaces and um, I got approached to do the book and I was like, absolutely not. Um, you know, I just didn't feel like I was ready. Our house was in a state of despair. Um, I realized that why wouldn't I share this gift of cozy with people? And that's why I came up with a hundred easy, super approachable ways anyone can make their home cozy, whether they live in a farmhouse or an urban flat or your mom's basement, um, these tips anyone can use. And so um, I had developed my um, taste for home decor over the years. And again, um, I hate to keep saying this, but being honest with myself, realizing what I loved. I love using color when I design other people's spaces, but in our spaces, those neutral tones bring peace and coziness um, to my mind mm -hmm. and um, a place where both my husband and I can relax and um, just love our home. So uh, I think asking yourself, what do I truly love? You can love things in other people's spaces, but what truly makes you feel cozy in your space and what do you truly love? Asking yourself those honest questions can help you find your style. Totally. Because as a person who has no idea what their style is right now, <laughs> I can walk into yeah. two very different houses. One that's much more minimal and modern and then walk into a cozy farmhouse and then walk into my friend Stephanie's house that is like a color explosion and gallery walls. And But it's just like they all are amazing. To me, I, there's just something about each and every one of them that are different and unique, but are so reflective of the person. And so I don't really know necessarily if I would, you know, which one I would choose for me quite yet. But I love just taking in other people's spaces that are really intentional and realizing, yep, that is a reflection of you. Like that is so you. And I just love when people are able to express that. So I'm curious for the opposite, are there things that people are doing that are keeping them from loving their home or from feeling cozy? Like what are some of the mistakes you see that maybe we can remedy? 
I think one of the major things is um, when we're scrolling through social media, we live in a social media driven world and we start designing our spaces for somebody else. Mm. Um, in our mind, we start thinking, Oh, so-and-so does that. Like, let's say, you know, someone's scrolling through my Instagram. I painted my floors white, which isn't going to (laughs) work for everybody. Um, and someone does that, but then they don't feel cozy because they did that, um, without asking themselves, is this going to work for my family? Mm -hmm. Is this going to work for my lifestyle? Um, when we start designing our spaces for somebody else, um, I think that's a huge mistake that we all make. Um, I think that we can enjoy things in other people's homes without putting them into ours. I think Ah. another thing is, is like keeping too much stuff. One of my major tips is when you're designing a space, like start with a blank slate. It will make things so much easier when you start with a blank slate and you truly ask yourself, do I find this useful? Do I find this beautiful? And if you don't, selling those things or donating those things, it can actually free your mind, make your space less cozy, make your family happier, having less stuff um, shoved places. And also it can add to your budget. Um, If you're selling items, it can add to your budget to make that space intentionally cozy um, for your family. That is such a great tip. And I think starting with a blank space is different than piece by piece pulling things out because things still stay hidden and you still can justify, oh, this fits. And so I'm going to keep it there, right? Not just, I love it. So if you, and it doesn't mean you have to go buy new stuff. It just means add things in intentionally, but it's stuff that you're already, that you already have. And if you don't have a piece, then it probably becomes very apparent. Like, you know, I really could use a lamp right here. That's this color or this size or whatever, but you actually know what you need versus just being too overwhelmed by this stuff. I think that's how I feel. That's why I'm kind of stuck. Yeah, and we feel like I think we we take that feeling of stuck, but we can get ourselves out of that. Sure. We can totally start with a blank slate. And then another thing, um, I have a chapter in there about reduce, reuse, recycle. You can reuse items in a different room. And I feel like we like are like, this is a dining room buffet. It has to stay in the dining room. But can that dining room buffet, would it work as a TV stand? Would it work um, as a dresser? I think that when you open your mind up and you don't put yourself in a box, you can get yourself unstuck. Like that's just, we need to think, we don't care if anyone else likes it. We don't care whether there's rules of that's a dining room buffet. It has to stay in the dining room. That's what gets us stuck. I think we start thinking like, what would so-and-so think or what would so-and-so do? But really asking yourself those honest questions. How is my family going to use this space? How are we going to enjoy this space? What is the space used for? Do I love this item? Uh, Or is it just here because my mom gave it to me for Christmas and I actually don't like it, but it fits. You know what I mean? We have to be really honest with ourselves. And um, I think creating a cozy haven for your family is one of the best things that you can do. Um, Life happens, hard things happen, but, and I think we view home decor as pretty shallow, but your home being cozy and being a space that you love can help you through, through so many hard times and create so many good memories for your family. So it's not shallow. It's actually something that I think that we all should work at. I do too. And just even like we were talking about beyond your family, feeling confident enough to host that Bible study that may have not had a venue. So it may not have happened. 
right? Like you're making things possible by having a home. My hope and dream is that when I have teenagers, I have three little boys right now. When I have teenagers, I want us to be the house that they want to come to. I want to have all the food. I want to have comfy seating and I want them to feel like they're welcome here. Anytime, any place, doing whatever. That's what I want. And it doesn't need to be expensive, fancy, even styled perfectly, even though that's fun. When a room gets done, it's like, ooh, this is nice. I have a room like that that is by our fireplace right now. And it's finally done. And we got this beautiful um, wooden, different types of wood American flag. And it is just like so cool. And I'm like a home or um, a family picture person like on the wall. But it kind of makes it some rooms feel junkier than others, you know. It just has a place. And I'm just now figuring this out. So putting up this huge statement flag that's representative of my husband's military service and our whole family's appreciation of living in our country and everything. It's like, that's it. That's what it was missing, right? And it was 99 bucks at Jerome's. Who would have thought? <laughs> love it. I love that. And that's a, actually another chapter in the book you hit on is okay. um, replacing a lot of small items on the wall with one big statement piece okay. can totally make a space cozier. So you also hit on that tip. Okay, I like it. Good. Well, the other problem with having lots of little things is way more things to get askew. I hate when things are off-centered and everything. I know there's command tape and different options for solving those problems if you want that. But I was always fixing it. And I was always bugged when I walked in a room. It's like, well, if you're always bugged, it's kind of like the junk drawer. If you can never find what you're looking for, take 15 minutes to actually solve the problem and clean it out or take down the picture and replace it versus always being annoyed by it. Just do it. Just do it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Oh my gosh. Well, I could talk to you forever about all of this. I just think you're so awesome and fascinating. You're a beautiful writer, like exceptional writer. Has writing always been something that you've loved to do? And I know you said you didn't want to write the book. So how did it even happen then? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like writing is really vulnerable for me. Um, I've never viewed myself as a good writer. Um, but I think that it's also helped me get through a lot of things. Um, I started blogging about our miscarriages. I think after the second one, um, on mother's day, I just had to get it out. I was really, I was seeing a lot of mother's day posts Mm -hmm. and I think that I put a lot of emotion into it. And then ever since then, when I write about things that I'm passionate about, um, I feel, um, the emotion and I feel like that's, it's helpful to me. So thank you for saying that. That's a really big compliment. Amazing. And now everyone gets to enjoy cozy white cottage. What do you think now that you have a book on the shelves in the world? Like, what do you think about it, that? <laughs> I don't think it will ever feel real. Um, it's it's really awesome. Um, I it will never feel feel real. It was um, it's a dream come true for sure. I know I say I wasn't ready to write, um, but you know it was always in my in the back of my mind. Like maybe that will happen one day. Um, and here we are. I'm really. I'm really thankful and it's an honor to be on anyone's bookshelf when people like share a photo of it it, it's it will forever blow my mind so I'm very thankful well congratulations it's such a big deal and it's I love that it's a combination of both tips and intention behind why you would do those things so I love that it keeps coming back to what are you going to use the room for so for the dining room these are the tips that you would recommend the styling things the fun things and then really what are you going to do how many people are going to be in this space when are you going to gather is it a one time a year thanksgiving space or is it an all the time eating room and does that change things so it's just super practical and it's beautiful so it's a great coffee table book and it's a great reference it would be a really fun gift to give somebody too 
Thank you. Yay. So where can people find you online now that they've all fallen in love with you if they didn't know you already? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I blog daily at lizmarieblog.com, and I'm at lizmariegalvan on Instagram, um, Facebook, Pinterest, all the things. So I am on there daily sharing different inspiration um, from DIYs and home decor and beyond. Congratulations. I'm so happy for this book. I'm so happy for sweet little cope and i am just so excited to follow along with your family's journey the sky is truly the limit and it's just it's been a beautiful story so thank you so much for sharing thank you for having me oh i forget i always ask my guests one final question whoops 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 the final question i always ask my guests is the point of this whole podcast it is to help imperfect mothers who feel like maybe they're not doing the best job and somebody else is doing it better or they're just too hard on themselves I want them to realize how extraordinary they truly are and when we can acknowledge the parts of us that truly make us awesome and extraordinary we can do so much more with those gifts and those talents so Liz for you what do you think makes you extraordinary Interesting question. I like this um, because I think we, you're right. We're always so hard on ourselves. If you asked what was wrong with me, I could probably list like 50 things. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, but that makes me extraordinary. I, I think it's my joy and passion of being a mother and pursuing my dreams at the same time. Mm. Um, I've never, um, since being a mom and even on our journey to becoming a mom, I've never let my passions go. Mm. Um, and I think that I've done a pretty good job at balancing the two. So that's what I would say. That's a whole nother podcast right there. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is tricky. Mothers tend to not give themselves permission to keep being them when they take on the new hat of mother and they think mothers have to be martyrs and if they're not giving, giving, giving all the time and they're carving out space for themselves that they're doing it wrong somehow and it's just simply not so. I think it's way more important to look at what we're modeling for our kids than to have a certain prescription of how much time we need to spend doing certain things because that's how we should be doing it. <laughs> for yeah. Sure. And the mom guilt is real. Like it, I have yeah. mom guilt every single day or every single time I'm away or have to do things like the mom guilt didn't go away. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I want my son to look at me and, um, you know, realize that, you know, I did both things and I hope he says I did a pretty good job someday. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Liz. This has just been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope that was a great way to start your new year. Are you somebody that likes to have people in your home? If not, what is keeping you from doing that? Is it the fact that you don't have all of your rooms perfectly furnished or you feel like things aren't tidy enough or you don't know how to you know, put together a big meal that's fancy and impressive? I hope our conversation today showed that that's not what it's about at all. Creating a cozy home is truly making people feel welcome. And that can be defined in lots of different ways. And I think in this day and age, so many people are simply not creating the invitation because of these things that hold them back, those fears and those inadequacies. But simply people are desperate for those invitations. And sometimes we sit back and wait for someone else to invite us. But one of my favorite things to say, and if you've been around, you know, it's create the invitation you would want to receive. I dare you, I dare you in this month of January 
to invite one person over for lunch, a simple lunch. I invite you to invite one other family that you've noticed at school or at church or in your neighborhood, one family over for Sunday dinner. It doesn't need to be fancy. You can ask people to bring things. It can be folding chairs for extra seating. It doesn't matter. But the fact that you are creating that invitation will be huge. And if you want extra ideas, I am tagging Liz Marie everywhere on the website and her new book that has tons of ideas for making your house cozier. And you can find that at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Thank you again to Liz for coming on the show. Follow her on Instagram so you can see darling pictures of Copeland and follow along on her blog as well. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm so glad you are here. I have such a full, rich lineup of Extraordinary Moms this month and beyond, and I am so excited to get things moving again. It was a good couple weeks break, but I'm so glad to be back. I did want to mention that our sweet, dear friend, Indy Lou, who is the daughter of Tara Jones, who was on the show about a year and a half ago, she is in the hospital on life support right this second fighting for her life. She had had a bone marrow transplant um, just over a month ago, and she was doing better. She was home, and she was putting together words and sentences and feeding herself and very quickly an infection took over her lungs and now she's on life support and it it just it's incomprehensible really indy is a fighter and we've seen miracles happen before and we are not going to give up hope for her but i offer up all of our prayers and our love for the jones family for tara for her sweet mom cat who was also on the podcast and for indy lou indy keep fighting we love you we are on your team So please keep their family in your prayers. We just love them so much. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in today. And we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.